right. Hey, good morning, Transit family. Good morning. How's everyone doing this holiday weekend? Good, good. That's actually, this is the second time I've said good morning, but I don't know how to uh, interrupt you without being rude. All right. Um, so as you see, uh, uh, there is no kids' church uh, this morning. And so my kids are going to be here as well as most of your kids. And so it's going to be great. We used to do this after 2020. We did this for about a year. Um, and so uh, parents, there's a judgment-free zone. Um, and your kids won't be distracting. It's actually, if I hear my kids, that's when it's distracting. So don't worry about that. A um, couple quick commercial breaks uh, before we dive into the message. One is that given the heavy transition we saw last year from our congregation, we need volunteers to serve with our department teams. Particularly in our kids' ministry, we need volunteers, guest services, and um, our media team. So if you are here and a member at the Transit Church, um, we would just encourage you to join the team. Uh, there are some families who are serving in one department like t- two times out of the month or, or certain couples who are uh, serving almost every Sunday, whether worship, media, or kids ministry. And so we just encourage you, join the team. If you want more information on how to join the team, talk to me, talk to one of the department leaders, or talk to uh, Jake. And then the second announcement is that on July 9th, we are celebrating Kim and Solomon Jagway's uh, anniversary. Just kidding. Uh, on July 9th, we, if you weren't here for announcements, you don't, it's an inside joke. Uh, we have a member meeting July 9th after the service. So next Sunday, um, if you are a, an official church member or in the membership process or a regular attender that you've been at the church, you call Transit Church your home for the last two to three months but, but haven't done the membership process, we invite you to come. Stay after the service. Pizza will be provided. We're going to be looking at three things. Where have we been in 2023? Uh, where are we at now? We're going to talk kind of finances, the financial picture, and uh, where are we going? What does the Lord have in store for us? We have a lot of exciting announcements. Uh, so um, just a plug. If you, there's a lot of things coming up, and so it would be really good if you can be there. We're going we're gonna to get it recorded as well and send down the leak, so if you're the link uh, of, the, uh, of the meeting as well so you can watch it. But we just highly encourage you, mark your calendars. It will be a long Sunday, but we're going to reward you with pizza, member meeting July 9th after the service. Commercial break over. Our text today is Ephesians 4, 25 through 29. Turn there, Ephesians 4, 25 through 29. And uh, in Ephesians 4, 25 through 29, the Apostle Paul, filled with the Spirit of God, he gives a list of commands to the, to the believers at Ephesus. And it's a formula. It's a simple formula. Stop doing this. Start doing this. Stop doing this. Start doing this. And at first glance, as we read our text, it might sound very legalistic. Oh, we just get a bunch of rules. And it's legalistic. And God's just a, a cosmic uh, killjoy and, and all that stuff. And, 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 and exactly, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. What we see in our text today, my sermon title is this, is an invitation to influence. An invitation to influence. God gives us, when Jesus says, come and follow me, that's the greatest invitation that he can give to, a, to any human being on the planet Earth because it's an invitation to change the world for the glory of of God. And this is what God is telling us in our text today. That through what comes out of our mouth, through what we say and what we do, we can change the world around us. We can advance the kingdom of God for the glory of God and the good of other people. You and I have influence. So parents, do any of you have Right Now Media? You guys know what Right Now actually any members of the church Right Now Media? We need to announce this more. I need to announce this more. I have failed you in this. If you don't know what Right Now Media is, it is like the, net, the Christian Netflix, okay? So there's a ton of amazing uh, teaching and, and preaching, and also uh, every, like, Christian 
TV show that's ever been produced is on Right Now Media for your kids. We pay, the Transit Church pays monthly to give you guys a free membership to rightnowmedia.com. So if you do not have a Right Now Media account and you want a free account, reach out to me or reach out to Jake, Nick at Transit Church, Jake at Transit Church, and we will get you set up with a free account. Now to my opening sermon illustration. So... On uh, this past week, I was watching, my kids have found this new favorite show on Right Now Media. It's called The Creators. Anyone know what The Creators are? One, I got one. Okay, yes, okay. And so it's about, um, uh, it's not like a, it's, it's real kids in real life from like, like eight years old to maybe 12. And what they do is, is the whole premise of the show is they produce videos, uh, movies on uh, biblical lessons or biblical stories. It's really well done. And one that we watched recently was in black and white. I don't know if it was like an old style, style Western or whatever, forget, but it was, it was black and white. But there were certain things in the black and white show that were vibe, that were actually in color. Now imagine with me, for the sake of illustration, it got me thinking for the sermon. Imagine the world we live in is all black and white. It's just black and white, right? There's no color. There's no life. There's no vibrancy. It's, it's gray. It's smoggy. It's, it's whatever. In a way, that kind of represents the curse of sin. But we as followers of Jesus, what we're looking at today is, is, yes, we know that in a way in the sin-cursed world, it is black and white. But we as kingdom ambassadors, we get through what we say and what we do, we get to splash color over every situation, every setting we're in. We get to change the world around us under the grace of God, by the spirit of God. That although the world is black and white, we've been commissioned to advance the kingdom of God and add color and push back the kingdom of darkness, and usher in the vibrancy and the life and the love of the kingdom of God. And that's the beautiful thing when Jesus teaches us your kingdom come is that through the church we can make this world, our, our calling, our mission is to make this world look more and more like heaven and less and less like the other place. You might be saying, okay, great, that's great, Nick. How do we do that? How do we advance the kingdom? How do we, how do we bring vibrancy and color to this world? And thankfully we don't have to guess our text today, God is very specific. If you want to know what God's will is, read his word. He makes it crystal clear. And we have three specific ways that we get to add life and vibrancy to the world around us. How we get invited by Jesus himself today to change the world around us for the better. Here's my sermon outline. One, stop lying and start testifying. Two, stop living to get and start laboring to give. And three, stop corrupting and start encouraging. So let's read this text. And then pray and dive in. Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, watch the formula here. Having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Those two verses we're going to look at next week. They, they fit to what I'm going to be talking about next week. So we're not going to address those today. But next week, uh, 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, uh, Lord Jesus, for the freedom that you died to give us. We are free from the curse of sin. We are celebrating, sure, we, we have plans to celebrate uh, our, our, our freedom in, in this nation, July 4th, Independence Day. But most importantly, we as followers of Jesus, what makes us so excited, what makes us want to jump up and shout and, and, and send up fireworks into the sky is the fact that, Jesus, you have set us free. You have set us free from the curse of sin. We are eternally free in you. 
So that's who we celebrate today. That's the kingdom we celebrate. That's the reality of our life. Sin no longer has any claim on us. We belong to Jesus. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So Heavenly Father, with, by your spirit, by your word, would you help me and would you help all of us today break off selfishness and self-obsession off of our lives, God. The, the secret to an abundant life is that our life is not about us. It's about you, and it's about others. It's about your kingdom. That's the secret, God. And so would you free us today, Holy Spirit? Would you bring conviction where we are constantly obsessing about ourselves or our image or our own need? And would you lead us? Would we say yes to the invitation to be a blessing to others, Lord God? to change the world, Lord Jesus, as you have made us a new creation and have entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation, God, would we say yes today, Lord God. So clothe us in the righteousness of Christ and uh, uh, the beauty of self-forgetfulness today. Would you be glorified? Would you be magnified? Would you increase and would I decrease? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, point number one, stop lying, start testifying. First invitation of our text comes in verse 25 where the Apostle Paul commands the early church to say, put away falsehood and speak the truth. Speak the truth. We need to ask, why is this such a big deal? Not lying and speaking the truth. Why is this such a big deal to God? Well, the reason it's such a big deal, like I've talked about in our intro, is that we as followers of Jesus, by what we say and what we do, we are telling the world what God is like. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, uh, we are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, you read 2 Corinthians 5, it's all about how we are a new creation. And then that new creation comes with the commission to be ambassadors. And what an ambassador is, means this, is that we are the official representatives of the kingdom of God on this earth. The churches. We are ambassadors for Christ. We represent our king and our country to this kingdom. And so the world, if they want to know what God is like, they're going to look to the church. Like, we are ambassadors. We are going to tell the world what uh, our kingdom and our king is like. And so every kingdom has an official language, right, that they speak. And so if someone came in here today and was speaking fluent French, right? And I know globalization, a lot of people can live in a lot of different areas now and speak different languages. But if someone came speaking fluent French and, and asking for a baguette or a croissant, you know, whatever, and, and what would be the question? Oh, you speak French, the follow-up question would be, where are you from? Right, because given the language you're speaking, you're revealing that, hey, you actually maybe weren't born in America where we speak, you know, this language. You're born in another place where you speak another language. And the reason I share that, if we were to ask, what is the official language of the kingdom of God? And what is the official language of the kingdom of darkness? This is what we would find. The official language of the kingdom of God is truth. Because God never lies. There is no deceit. There is no deception in the kingdom of God and with our king. There's only truth. He only speaks what is truth. And in the kingdom of darkness, the official language of that kingdom is lying, is deceit, is slander. That's the official language of the kingdom. This is what Jesus says about the father of lies, Satan. John 8.44. And when Satan lies, look, this, this, Jesus says he speaks his native tongue. He's fluent in lying, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So with that said, 
when you and I speak what is truth, this, the truth of the gospel, the truth of how God created the world, the truth of the scriptures, we're, we're speaking the official language of the kingdom of God. But when we lie, we're, we stop speaking that language and we start speaking a different language. We speak the native tongue of another king and another kingdom. That's why that is such a big deal. And then it begs the question, well, if we love Jesus and we've been made a new creation, why are we still tempted to lie? Why do we still struggle with covering the truth and, 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 and you know, like, whatever? Why do, we, why do we struggle with that? And the reason why is this. We lie to get what we want. That's why we lie, right? We lie to avoid negative consequences. We lie to get things that we wouldn't be able to get unless we lied. We lie to make other, we lie about other people to make them look bad so that we can get maybe a, you know, a, a higher up rung on the, on the corporate uh, ladder. This is why we lie, is to get what we want. Exhibit A, you make a bad decision. You make a bad choice. And you know it was bad, the Holy Spirit convicts you, and you have the choice to either come clean and be honest or lie to spare yourself of the consequences. And the question that remains is, why would you not lie to spare yourself from the consequences when a little lie would tell you that you could get out of those consequences. Why would you not do that? Well, here's the bottom line. If God doesn't exist, then the, the reason you exist is to get whatever you want. Who can tell? If God doesn't exist and there's no transcendent objective morality uh, over, over our behavior, then lie all you want. The, the chief end of your life is get whatever you want because you eat, drink, and then tomorrow, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. And if the chief ethic of your life is to, is to fulfill your heart's desires and get what you want, and lying is a good tool to do that, then lying can be implemented to do that. But that's the biggest lie that you could ever be told is that you live to get what you want. That's the secret to happiness. That's not. That's the secret to a selfish, miserable existence separated from the love of God. And in contrast to that, what we know that Jesus teaches us, he dethrones us. The greatest thing that God does in our lives is he takes us off the throne of our lives so that we don't exist to do what we want. We now exist to do what God wants. It's called worship. When we pray, God, your will be done, we're saying, I'm sacrificing my will, what I want to do, and God, I'm doing what you want because you know what's best. You want me to speak the truth at all times for the glory of your name, even if that means I might face negative consequences. I know that I want to make it my aim to please you and not please anyone else. And when we begin to do that, then true and abundant life of Jesus Christ comes to us and through us because the place that God blesses, God doesn't just bless people, he blesses places. And the place that God blesses is obedience to what he's commanded us to do, is, co is what he's commanded us to do. And so the invitation today is um, not just to put away falsehood and to stop lying and be deceitful, but to speak the truth to one another. And there's a key line in our text. Pull the verse back up on the screen. Verse 25, here's a key line. Put away falsehood. Let each of us speak the truth uh, to his neighbor. And then look at this line that we could easily gloss over. For we are members one of another. Now we need to ask, why is that line important? What does that have to do with lying? And us being members in the body of Christ uh, together, like we've talked about the past couple weeks uh, from the pulpit, why does that matter in speaking the truth? And at men's, another commercial break, at men's Bible study, every, every other Wednesday at 6 a.m., 
we have a men's Bible study where we look at the sermon text that will be preached the coming Sunday, okay? So come talk to, talk to me or talk to Jake about getting plugged into our men's Bible study. It's awesome. It's amazing. Um, we highly encourage you, if you have the time, to come join us 6 a.m., usually at my house. If not at my house, usually at the church, okay? Um, and this, and, I, and it's amazing because I get a collaboration of people to share their thoughts on application and interpretation of the text of Scripture. And this illustration was shared in men's Bible study. It was beautiful. I'm going to steal it, and I'm giving credit to the man who spoke it, uh, same last name. And he said this. Um, it's like w- with this line here about members of one another. Imagine your hand goes rogue, and imagine there's a pot of boiling water on the uh, stovetop here, and my hand goes rogue, and look, this looks like fun, and I'm going to put the hand into this boiling water. And the brain is going, that's going to bring destruction, not just to the hand, but to the whole body, because that thing's going to... We're going to, there's a lot, depending on how long that hand stays in that boiling water, a lot of bad things could happen and it could disrupt the entire body. But the brain, not wanting to be judgmental and offensive, the brain doesn't speak the truth to the hand. It says, hey, your truth is your truth. If you like putting your hand in boiling water, that there's going to be no negative consequences for that. Who am I to tell you otherwise? Instead, what does the brain do? Your brain, when your hand goes rogue and touches boiling water, your brain immediately goes, like megaphone, oh, repent, <laughs> repent, you're going to sink the ship. Like this is painful. You're making a bad decision, right? I'm not saying get a megaphone and start judging everyone. I'm saying that, right? Like hear me clearly. Like none of us, when we speak the truth, we are commanded to speak the truth in love, right? And where we go wrong as the church is we grab a megaphone and we go to the lost and all we do is speak the truth, but there's no love. There's no relational investment in anyone we're talking to, and we actually just harden hearts rather than soften hearts to the kingdom of God. But the reason I share that is uh, there's a quote by Doug Ponder. It'll be on the screen, and he said this. Please listen. In this day and age, this is so important to hear. We are commanded to love our neighbors, not make them feel loved. Do you guys, you guys get what he's getting out there? You guys understand? We are commanded to love our neighbors, not make them feel loved. And the lie that we are told to believe in this cultural moment is in order to love your neighbor, you have to lie to them and say things that you know are not true to how the world works. Right? And so, so therefore, we can't lie. We have to testify. And if the church in this cultural moment goes silent and starts lying rather than testifying, then lies take precedent. And, 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 and the darkness and the decay of the world continues to spread. We are the salt of the earth. The moral preservative of our society and the church has to in clothed in love, clothed in compassion that actually looks like something, relational investment in other people who don't know Jesus. But we cannot budge in our convictions because there's a world of difference between loving our neighbor and making them feel loved. And the most loving thing we can do as our neighbor is open up our mouths and testify to the Jesus that we've come to know and love who's made himself known to us. As his ambassadors entrusted with the message of reconciliation, the most loving thing we can do is testify to the truth of salvation for sinners in Christ alone. Look at Acts 4, 18 through 20. Peter and John, this is right when the church was birthed. It's a very fragile moment for the church. Two of the key leaders in the early church are arrested by the same governing body that just crucified Jesus. And if they were ever tempted to lie to preserve their their lives... And themselves, it would be in this moment. And this is what they say. 
I love this. Then they called them in again, and they, watch this, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, saying there will be negative consequences if you do not stop talking about Jesus. This is what we're seeing in our society, right? This is what we're seeing. Like, I'm cool with Jesus, but you need to just stop talking about it. You keep that in private. In verse 19, but Peter and John replied, what is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him, you be the judges. Listen, we make it our aim not to fulfill our desires, but God's desires. They're saying, we make it our aim to please God, not to please you. Verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Basically, they would say, if you want us to stop talking about Jesus, we'd have to unsee some things and we'd have to unhear some things. We saw the resurrected Christ of glory. He has powerfully transformed our lives. We're seeing what he's doing in us and through us. And until you take the breath out of our lungs, we cannot be silent. We are eyewitnesses to something. And the thing about being an eyewitness to something is that you have to testify to the validity of that. And all of us, if we are in Christ, we are eyewitnesses to the glory of God. God has opened up our eyes. Whoa, we're sinners. But look at God's love. He's provided a way for salvation in Christ Jesus. Oh my gosh, he's filled me with the spirit. Oh my gosh, he's transformed my life. Look at where I am because of God. And now, instead of lying, we get to put away falsehood. And now we get to change the world around us by testifying to the truth of what we've seen and heard in God today. And watch this, and then I'll move on to my second point. Is because Peter and John didn't budge an inch in this moment in Acts 4. Again, they were empowered with boldness by the Holy Spirit. Because they didn't budge an inch and, and, and go into hiding or, or start lying, but they continue to testify, you and I are in Christ Jesus 2,000 years later. Like, like what, we, what we have to realize as a church, the decisions that we make, that the culture is pressing us to make, has thousands, of, depending on when Christ returns, thousands upon thousands, generations will be affected by what the, how the church responds in this cultural moment. And because Peter and John, both of them, John uh, um, exiled to the island of Patmos, but Peter dying a martyr, because they continue to testify until, there was, until the breath was taken out of their lungs, you and I, 2,000 years later, across the Atlantic Ocean, have salvation in Christ Jesus. That's the impact that testifying to the lost world about the good news of Jesus has. Secondly, stop living to get and start laboring to give. The second invitation of our text, and if you look at verse 28, again, if your Bibles are open, it says, let the thief stop stealing. Uh, instead, uh, let him labor so that, why? So that he can help Others. Again, one of the greatest lies that we've been brainwashed to believe growing up in the West, um, watching TV incessantly uh, with all the commercials, is this. This is the lie. The more you get, the more stuff you get, the more money you get, the more toys you get. Someone say preach. Some parents say preach. The happier you will be. That's the formula, right? The more you get and consume, the happier you'll be. If I were to share stats, I didn't look this up because it's not worth it because you can all agree with me on what doesn't really, like every, whatever. Is this, is that the number of hours that a kid until he hits like 12 years old, the number of hours of commercials they've seen, right? That's catechesis. That's, that's indoctrination. That's a worldview being taught to our kids that the secret to a happy life is consuming and buying stuff. And that's the lie of every commercial. I talked about it last week. Buy this shiny car, Right? Start gambling on this app, right? Whatever it is, and then you will be happy. That's the lie. It's a lie, and, and the kingdom of God flips that narrative. Jesus Christ himself completely flips that narrative, as we'll see in Acts 20, 
35. If you haven't read Acts 20, read Acts 20. It's Paul's farewell speech to the key leaders at the church at Ephesus. It's a beautiful moment. It's the last time he's going to see them in person. They're weeping before he departs on a ship to the next assignment God has for him. And in his farewell address to the Ephesian elders, this is one of the last things he says. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so in our text today, um, the application, you know, I don't, I I know you, I love you guys, and I don't think any of you are, 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 are stealing If you are, you need to repent today, right? (laughs) And so the application point I want to hone in on today is this. To what end are we laboring and living our lives? So how are we viewing the time God has given us? How are we viewing the gifts God has given us? How are we viewing uh, the job God has given us? To what end are we living our lives? To what end are we laboring in our lives? And what we learn about the blessed life is that for the follower of Jesus, the only way blessing comes to other people is through hard work, right? The application isn't if uh, uh, that that every single person of God has to work in order to make money to, no, no, it's it's because there's lots of uh, moms here who are laboring at home or, or people who have fallen on hard circumstances who aren't working. It's how you view your life to be a blessing to those around you. I, 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 a, good, a, a dear brother in Christ and a friend of mine uh, who uh, in between uh, looking for, for work would volunteer with Meals on Wheels. And that's a direct application of this text. With the time God has given me, even though right now uh, I do not have a job where I'm in Kermit, but I have time. And with that time, I'm going to serve others. That's beautiful. How do we view our lives? Do we view our lives as, God, bless me, oh, God, more? This is the, the, the toxicity of the health and wealth gospel, is it's just selfishness. It's utter, so- Lord, bless me, oh, more money, more health, rather than, Lord, would you bless me so that others are blessed through me? Would others, when on the other side of me, would others be blessed? Right? And yeah, God like loves to give good gifts to his kids. I'm not saying God is like going to whatever, but at the same time, how do we view our lives, our time, our talents, and our treasure? Um, one of my favorite examples of this, I've, I've, I've mentioned this person in the past. A spiritual father of mine I've known for goodness since I was a youth pastor. And uh, he was going, he, he had the spiritual gift of making Boku bucks bananas money, like crazy money, okay? That's not actually a spiritual gift. It's not in the Bible, so that was a joke, okay? Um, But this man, before he came to Christ, had a very successful job. He came to Christ and still had that successful job. And the American dream uh, that that he was thinking about living was retiring in his late 40s. He's going to retire early, man, and ride that thing out, and he could, and live a very cozy life. And you know what he, in prayer, what God told him to do? God told him, you work for 10 more years, at least 10 more years. You work at, as hard as you can. You make as much money as you can, and you fund the war effort of the kingdom of God as much as you can globally. That's what the Lord told him. Yeah, you keep laboring. You make as much money as you can. So it's not about being rich or poor. It's about how do you view your life? How do you view your time? How do you view your, your work, whether you're in ministry or not in ministry? And listen, through that man's life, that was why I went to seminary. He helped pay for me to go to seminary. Do the math. 80 credits, $500 a credit. 
okay? Your boy pulled in like 5K a year as a youth pastor, needed some help paying for seminary, all right? He helped that, right? That man, when I was pulling in that loan camp, gifted my wife and I a car, right? And this individual, four years ago and last year, wrote us a check to the transit church uh, that was substantial, to say the least, to help us get out of being, you know, to, to put us in, in, in a much better financial situation. And so we've been on the receiving end of someone has, who has worked hard. And, I, and as I've talked to him, his work is extremely stressful. It would be way easier to kick up, kick up your heels, go retire in Jamaica, you know, and uh, play bongos on the beach or, you know, whatever you do in Jamaica, you know, and just ride it out. But instead, sweat, stress, life, blessing coming to the church, advancing the war effort. And so if we were to audit our resources, our calendar, our finances, what, what are tangible resources we have, our house, we need to prayerfully ask God today, God, how can I leverage these for the kingdom of God? Whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, how can I leverage the life you've given me, the possessions you've given me, the time you've given me, to be a blessing to those around me, to change the world around me. And what's beautiful, Christians, as we clothe ourselves in generosity, what we're doing when we begin to live this out is um, we show the world, we're telling the world as kingdom of God ambassadors what our God is like. We're telling the world what Jesus is like when we adopt this mentality. And so um, I, I, I fact-checked myself this morning, and, um, and, and, and it shows here that as far as religious groups go, people groups go, Christians, followers of Jesus, are the most generous people on the planet Earth, bar none. The amount of money that leaves the wallets of followers of Jesus and goes to charitable organizations, uh, great causes, uh, nationally and, and locally and, and globally, is from the hands of followers of Jesus. And the reason why, the reason why is because of the gospel. Followers of Jesus, we are telling the world that our God is a generous God, that God the Father met our need, our brokenness, by giving the most precious, the most valuable gift that he could give us, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins and then give us an eternal inheritance of the kingdom of God forever where there's no more sickness, no more death, no more demonic, and no more disease. What a kind God. What a gracious God. And when we begin to see that God, if he has already given us the gift of Jesus and our inheritance, our future looks so bright, transit family, it looks so good. Then we stop banking all of our hope on the things of this world. And then we can, the death grip of possessions and finances can be loosened off of us. And we can trust that God will provide because he's already provided for my greatest needs, my, my need of, of getting my sins forgiven and being restored back to relationship with God. And so now, Lord, the greatest cry of my heart is use anything in my disposal, Lord God, to bring your kingdom. Whether big or little, I want everything leveraged for the kingdom of God, because you're that good, Jesus. You're that kind, God. That's our calling. That's our calling. So lastly, uh, we'll move on to this last point of stop corrupting, start encouraging. In verse 29, it says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And it begs the question, uh, what is corrupting talk, right? Over the years, there's been lots of debate of, uh, amongst my friends who want to still use corrupting talk, to be honest, of what this means. And let me fill you in on a little secret. Here's what it doesn't just mean. We get really religious with this. 
and we have a list of like no-fly zone four-letter words, okay? Like when you stub your table on the nightstand in the middle of the night, here's what you don't say, okay? Sure, that's part of corrupting talk. That's not the only thing that means it's far more all-encompassing than that. The Greek word here, where we get, where we get the English word for corrupt, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in extra-biblical literature in the first, around the first century uh, Greece was used in this way. This word corrupt was used to describe rotten uh, wood, rotten wood, withered flowers, and rancid fish. The same word. Rotten wood, withered flowers, rancid, stanky, moldy fish, right? And there's nothing more, I think, in my personal opinion, than, than, than uh, just came from the beach, than, than, than decaying fish. All right. And so what we see here is that what brings corruption is something that would otherwise be healthy, something that would otherwise be flourishing and, and strong, all of a sudden gets corrupted, becomes withered and rotten. And so then the definition of what corrupting talk could be would be corrupting talk is speech that corrupts the mind and heart of the listener. Corrupting talk is talk that corrupts the minds and the hearts of the listener. Stated differently, on the other side of your tongue, on the other side of my speech, do we make it harder or easier for our listeners to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to love the things that Jesus loves? If you were to imagine again, using our, we're using kids are present, so we're using our imaginations today, all right? If you're imagined today that all of a sudden everyone in this room turned into a flower, all right? And your words were either twofold, your relationship with everyone now who just turned into a flower, with what you say to each other today, how you communicate with each other, you can either water that person or you can add poison to them, right? That's the power that we have with our tongue. We, our tongue, with our language, we can bring restoration and life or corruption and decay. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. On the other side of our mouths, we can bring corruption or we can bring beautiful restoration. And this truth should, should honestly convict us today, right? It's, it's heavy, right? Like we, the scriptures have a lot to say about the power that's in our tongue and in our, our speech. And the applications here are, are myriad in regards to ways that we shouldn't have corrupting talk. Slander on social media, uh, keyboard warriors, you know, like slandering people in situations they know nothing about. Um, slander. Uh, others would be just direct name calling, speaking a curse over somebody. You are this. Instead of you are loved by God, you are a child of God and don't know you are this, speaking a curse over somebody. Um, this includes inappropriate and coarse joking, right? Maybe not directly to someone, maybe not just mocking someone, but just stuff that puts things in people's heads that are not of the kingdom of God. Things that like you get around people and you're like, ah, I just feel icky leaving, right? I don't, this person doesn't help me follow. They actually make it harder to follow Jesus when I get around. Uh, gossip, right? What is gossip? Gossip is delighting in darkness, delighting in secrecy, delighting in somebody else's mess brings me entertainment. Somebody else's mess brings me joy and entertainment, and I just want to talk about it. Shame on us if that's our heart. Like, scriptures speak strongly about gossip. But I think in our text, the biggest application point is this, is let's stop sending criticism 
out of our mouths and let's start sending encouragement that builds up. I think that's the, the key interpretive lane of our text this morning. Replace criticism with encouragement. And six years ago, roughly speaking, uh, it was over at least over six years ago, um, I was uh, renting a, 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 I was actually renting, I was living in my grandmother's basement, cats out of the back, in Vienna, Virginia. Beautiful backyard, uh, and I would have quiet times there. And it was a really big backyard in Vienna. And I was spending time with the Lord. And I was, um, what it, the Lord had shown me in my life recently, in my marriage, that I was very critical. I was very critical. And I was talking to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I don't want to be this. Help me be an encourager. Help me to encourage those around me. And the Lord, uh, the still small voice of God, basically said, hey, I want you to stop journaling and, and just look up. And I want you to look at the backyard. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll see like an eagle, like, ah, like, you know, like, fly out. And the eagle will say, like, Nick, encourage, you know what, I don't know. <laughs> Let me just test it out, right? And so I'm looking, and, and nothing happens. But I'm still looking, and then subconsciously, I didn't realize I was doing it. I go, man, the grass is so, gosh, I got to cut the grass. Oh, the weeds, look at all the weeds in that mulch bed. Gotta, I got to pull the weeds, man. Oh, look at all that rotten wood over there from that tree that's fallen. I got to move all that rotten wood. And then, and then I, I got rebuked, and the Lord showed me, and in a moment of conviction, of just kind of a knowing, no audible voice or whatever, but a still small voice impression of the Lord is, Nick, I told you to look, and you looked at the bad, and you missed the beauty. You looked at the bad, and you missed the beauty. And then the Lord goes, look again, look again. And then I look again with a fresh perspective, and I realize I missed the beauty of God's creation the wonder of the majesty of the massive trees that were growing in the backyard, uh, the animals that were flying and, and running full sprint in the backyard, the sound of those animals. Like I missed the beauty because I was focusing on the bad. And this is, I think, the first application point is this, is we as the people of God, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to say this. Pray this prayer. God, help me call out the beauty in others rather than criticize the bad in them. Help me call out the beauty rather than criticize the bad. And as we begin to see the beauty, see the world through a kingdom lens, not looking at people through their history, but through their destiny of, of, of who they're becoming and, and what God has in store for them, rather than just like condemnation is just a dead end, you are this, um, rather than focusing on the bad in others, call out the beauty. And then... This, the real simple application to encouragement is this, and this is where I think we all struggle, is we all see both the bad and the good, hopefully more good than bad in others. But when you see something, say something, right? If you have been blessed by somebody, uh, you know, in your life, say something, right? It's a simple, it's really simple application. See something good, say something good. See something, say something. Uh, uh, parents to your kids, see like uh, someone going above and beyond, hey, fist bump, pat on the back, good job. Like, boom, you got it. Uh, a text to your spouse. Hey, I saw that. You know, that was a really difficult situation. Someone in your, I mean, imagine your vocation, your, your, your how to bring the kingdom of God into your workplaces is maybe somebody has this heavy uh, burden. They've been given this task and, and, and you know it's been stressful for them, but they've been handling it really well. Well, have we told them that? Hey, I see the burden. I see how hard this is, but I just want to encourage you. You've done a great job. Thank you for doing that, right? Looking for that good, calling out the beauty. And here's the bottom line. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. If I were to ask you right now, well, this is, this, is, this is what we know to be true. Is a single word 
or phrase or sentence from somebody can radically change our lives. Like you and I both can go into the vault and we can find that one word of criticism from a teacher or a coach or someone else in authority spoken over us that marked us, right, and still haunts us today. And at the same time, we can, we can remember that one word of encouragement spoken in the perfect timing that radically changed our lives. And for me, uh, talking about my spiritual mentor in the faith, before I transitioned from being a youth pastor to coming on staff here um, in 2016, before I left, he said this. He said, um, he said this to me. I was the youth pastor of his two daughters, and he said this um, in regards to uh, me leaving and this word of encouragement. He goes, I've made a lot of investments in my life, and the, the way I judge the value on those investments is the return I see on those investments. And I can look at you and honestly say that you, in, in your life, I've invested in your life, I've seen the greatest, um, you've, been, you've been one of the greatest investments I've ever made is what he said. That phrase right there is what I remember. It's roughly that, but that phrase was, you're one of the greatest investments that I have ever made. I've remembered that. What he did to me, there was a lot as a youth pastor in, in my early and mid-20s that he could have criticized. Like, and there were a lot that people were criticizing, probably rightly so. <laughs> but instead, he called out the beauty. He said, you're making progress. I've seen a shift in you. And he spoke life rather than death over me. He spoke blessing rather than curse over me. And those words from a spiritual father changed the trajectory of my life. It was amazing. That's the power that we have today. And so I'll call up the band. We're going to conclude. We're going to wrap up with this. Um, so band, you can come on up, and we're going to segue into communion. Is God and his grace to us, transit family, is extending an invitation to us today, Right? And there's a wedding coming up in August, and, you know, with wedding invitations, I got a wedding invitation today. And you can RSVP in kind of one of three ways. We're actually only one of two ways. But imagine with me, there was no, I'm not saying yes to go on this journey with you or to come to this event, right? I regretfully declined the offer, right? That's one option. The other option is deliberation. I'm a hard maybe, right? Or the other option is I gladfully accept the invitation. And may Christ be honored today in his flock, in the body, that we will gladfully accept his invitation today to change the world around us, to get off of our own selfish desires and to have a lens that there are needs all around us at home, in our neighborhood, at our workplace, and that we get to be a blessing, not just receive blessing, but to be a blessing to those around us. So let's pray before we take communion. Go to the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of where in our lives we, we haven't been putting off the old self and ask the Lord specifically this week. There's three commands here, there's a lot. But what's one thing today, what's one thing this week, God, that you are asking me to clothe myself in? Maybe every day waking up and saying, God, I want life to come from my mouth today. Give me an opportunity. Fill my mouth to encourage others. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into communion. Oh, Father, we love you. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and you spoke truth. You spoke life over us. You met our needs. Your life was lived. The way you viewed your life, God, was not to get and not to receive, but was to pour out your life, your very blood, your very breath, so that we could have breath in our lungs. We could have life forever in you. That's how you viewed your life, Jesus. And because of that, we've received blessing. Now let that blessing 
Oh, that precious gospel blessing, let it flow from us today, God. And what we say and what we do and how we view our lives, God. Change us, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, sweep through this place. And may we say yes to you, Jesus. We don't have to. We get to, God. We get to bring beauty and color and vibrancy to a world that is dark and full of darkness and decay, God. We get to bring restoration where there is corruption, God. Show us how we get to do that today. In Jesus' name.